Welcome to season two, episode 20 of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners. This podcast is a production of Startup Space, an entrepreneurship community building platform. I'm your host, David Panraj. We believe in equitable and inclusive access to the tools and resources needed to start a business. In this podcast, we are speaking with some of the leading voices in the field of inclusive entrepreneurship to learn from their best practices to apply in our own communities as practitioners. Today, we're speaking with Tina Kapoor, Economic Development Manager for the City of Fremont. Welcome, Tina. Thanks, David. So Tina, tell me a little bit about your work and also about the economic development work that the city is doing. Yes, thank you. And hello, everyone, to those of you who are listening today. Um, I'll tell you a little story. The year was 1999. I moved to this beautiful, diverse country from India to Fremont, California. Y2K was on everyone's mind. <laughs> Fast forward to today, I wear many hats. First and foremost, I am mom to two lovely children, and I'm a proud member of the wonderful economic development team at the city of Fremont. As a minority immigrant woman, I am honored to work for a city that is known for its diversity and innovation. My job is to support the growth of industry sectors in Fremont, like advanced manufacturing, biotech, and clean tech, and also to provide resources and tools to our small businesses that keep our economy and community vibrant. You know, the last year and a half has challenged us in many ways. The pandemic has definitely changed me, both professionally and personally. Um, I've always been passionate about diversity and inclusion, and I'm even more deeply committed to keeping the lens of equity front and center in my life and work. You know, you hear the why let a crisis go to waste. Um, it's, it's true because they offer vantage points and incredible learning opportunities. And some of the most impactful programs in Fremont are born of our efforts during these trying times. With this particular crisis we're in, yes, there were some extreme limitations and we couldn't visit or see businesses in person. Um, we only had the virtual space to work with for a while, right? Um, I'm also an artist, and so I love this analogy I'll share. Uh, prior to working in, in Fremont, when I worked for the city of San Jose, also doing economic development, I worked on a civic innovation project with two amazingly talented and creative leaders in the organization. And we use this analogy, and it's kind of stuck with me. It is the Japanese art of origami, right? Creating something beautiful, even when we are resource constrained. So with one, one single sheet of paper, we can create anything imaginable. And we've all had to do that at times. We have seen small businesses and entrepreneurs do that over the last year, and it's been humbling and also inspiring. So where do we go from here? Um, during the last 18 months in Fremont, we have shifted our focus to recovery, which is a three-pronged strategy. Uh, number one, supporting small businesses, of course. Two, equitable workforce development policies and three, strengthening cities tax base. And this is deeply satisfying work, and here we are. You mentioned that you are an immigrant, and this leads to my second question, which is why did you pick economic development as your trade? And then a part B to that question, can you help explain in the city of Fremont, California, what is the demographic makeup of your business community? 
I would say, you know, being an immigrant, um, I see diversity is a strength. It's so much more than looks or skin color. It's a window into different perspectives, right? People bring different life experiences, which in turn leads to incredible creativity. Um, in economic development, we're working with, with the private sector, with businesses every day. Um, this also explains why there's so much innovation that's happening in Silicon Valley, right? It is because of that diversity of people that are coming here from all around the country, bringing in those perspectives and life experiences. So it's that many more different ideas and that many more experiences, that many more cultures. Um, and I, I also think, you know, in Fremont, our economy is all about innovative companies. They're doing life or planet saving work. Um, we're known as the hardware side of the bay because there are um, over 900 manufacturing companies that make things here. Um, Tesla just happens to be one of them. So there's a lot of innovation going on. And, you know, we know that that sector, um, uh, the private sector, these innovative companies, they're getting more and more, you know, smart and connected. So if we can take some of that innovation that's going on in the private sector, um, take that perspective in economic development, because we have the capacity to do so, because we're working so closely with them, let's bring some of that innovation of ideas and processes into the public sector and take that same approach of being smart and connected, not just in our devices, but approach, right? And bring the right people to the table as we make decisions and programs. Um, I think that's that's the ethos of, of economic development is you could, you know, you're working in the private, you're working in the public sector, but you've got one foot in the private sector and you can, you know, create programs from all that innovative ideas. The demographic breakup of Fremont, what portion of it are immigrants versus uh, people that are from California? Because you talked about diversity uh, in just the community. Looking into the business community, is that also really diverse? And if it is, what are some traditional challenges that immigrant business owners face in starting in Fremont? Yes, Fremont as a city is very diverse. So we're, um, you know, our resident base, of course, majority of our residents uh, are immigrants. They're coming from different countries. So it's very inherently diverse. Um, we know a lot of the companies are started uh, by people who live here. So, you know, by definition, our, our business community is also very diverse. Uh, and that's a strength, like I mentioned before. You know, and when we think about uh, underserved communities or small businesses, um, you know, uh, immigrant women, ethnic owned businesses, there are a lot of challenges, right? Let me just start with that. Typically, we think that the success of an enterprise or idea is the result of the competition in the market because the best product or service wins. Um, this, this is true perhaps, but only if everyone is starting from the same place. Um, this doesn't always happen. So I would say one of the biggest challenges is the equality of opportunity. Um, there's a gap for sure. And this usually starts from lack of awareness, right? A lot of small businesses, especially as I mentioned, ethnic immigrant women owned, don't always know about the resources that are out there. And that puts them in a, in a position behind others. So we may be doing some amazing things to help small businesses and to help entrepreneurs with these great programs, but not everybody's connected to the right channels. So they miss out often, whether it's grant opportunities or participating in programs. 
So they're not at the start line, so to speak. And hence, you won't see them at the finish line. And it's that chain effect. So, so let's say maybe they are aware, right? Um, because they are connected to the right channels. Sometimes the documentation requirements can be overwhelming um, if they want to participate in a program. So the, the, the documentation um, is overwhelming. It's complicated. Sometimes it's language issue, yes. But mostly it can also be an issue of capacity. So then you add on the, the lack of trust in government sometimes. Is everybody comfortable reaching out to us? Um, so you can see how this can get, you know, continue to build on itself and really become this compounded challenge, right? So we need to think about closing the opportunity gap that this results in for underserved communities. I do think, you know, there are ways to tackle this um, in local government. For example, you know, we could do three things. One, definitely start with effective communication. For example, you know, in Fremont, we're designing a brand new website right now where you can find information easily. We plan on promoting it widely because we realize the lack of awareness is a big issue. Um, two, you know, thinking about what information do we really need to make a good decision so we don't overwhelm um, businesses with requirements. Can we reduce documentation burden by making these things as straightforward as possible? So you don't have to be an expert grant writer, for example, just a great small business owner. And I think number three, and I can't stress this enough, working with partners that the community knows and trusts. So people that interact with these folks on a daily basis can be great connectors and intermediaries. I love that you're talking about access to resources for small businesses and the fact that the playing field is not level because a lot of times um, we will ask, we'll be asked this question about how is Detroit, how does Detroit compare to Phoenix? And my uh, response back is even cities don't start at the same place. So you can't even measure one city versus another because they all have different challenges, very much like small businesses. And how do you level the playing field? In fact, we talk about this idea of even how do you tilt the playing field because even a level playing field sometimes is not even enough for uh, small and micro businesses. And I love this idea of providing an easy access. We call that you know, the front door into the ecosystem where entrepreneurs can go and be able to self-service and find things, uh, resources that can be um, useful for them. Can you give me an example, Tina, of the types of resources that you provide other than the website? How do you help level the playing field for these entrepreneurs? Are there other examples of how you do it? Yeah, I want to um, share an example of a program that we launched early on at the start of the pandemic it's called Gift Fremont. But before I go into the example, let me give you a little bit of background. So there are five different business districts in Fremont. These business districts used to operate as individual towns, and then they all came together and now it's one city. But you know, we have these now identified, dedicated uh, champions from each of these business districts that know their community really well, right? So we called them up at the start of the pandemic to form a small business working group. And through that, uh, we built an innovative program called Gift Fremont, which helped local small businesses. Um, the idea was, uh, you know, small businesses, restaurants, coffee shops, salons, we put uh, 40 of them together on this online marketplace where folks can purchase gift cards for these businesses and they get a bonus from the city. So we couldn't be, you know, in early on in the pandemic when everything shut down, we weren't able to visit our favorite restaurants and coffee shops, 
Um, so we took advantage of the virtual space and created this online marketplace. And yep, you heard it right. You buy a gift card and you'll get a bonus gift card from the city. So this enticed more people to support our businesses. And the idea is to give businesses an e-commerce experience, exposure to more customers, and getting cash to businesses real time. It's not like a traditional gift card program where you purchase the gift card and the funds are sitting in this plastic card, right? Um, it's all online. And once you purchase the gift card, the funds have already gone to the businesses because they need the money now. Um, and the credit will uh, always remain with you whenever you want to go visit them or purchase something. So it made a it, it program made a big splash when we launched it, and it turned out to be a great business to business platform, because lots of even larger businesses such as Seagate and Facebook, um, even property owners of shopping centers, we were all looking for a way to support the small business ecosystem, and a lot of them donated to this bonus fund. So this turned the city's initial investment of $5,000 into $40,000. And with the community buying gift cards to score those bonuses, it channeled 300% of the initial um, bonus fund into the community directly, uh, business community directly. So 5,000 goes into the program, 120,000 goes to the businesses. And here's the best part. We were very strategic about the creation of this program because it was designed to be inclusive. So we did a lot of outreach, uh, not just our team, but the small business district representatives I mentioned earlier and the Chamber of Commerce um, that we were working with to reach out to only local independent small businesses, no chains or franchisees. So we wanted to level the playing field. And if you don't have a website, no digital presence, no problem. Um, you've never done e-marketing experience, no problem. In fact, with this program, we gave them all those opportunities and experiences. It was very successful. And um, the program has been replicated in many other cities in the Bay Area and across the US. Wow, that's fascinating. That's such a great story. And I'm sure our audience are going to try and see if they can freely repli replicate that program as well. Uh, let me ask you a question around these immigrant businesses. And you know, you talked about the digital divide. Is there something that you're doing to help with uh, micro businesses uh, that are under nine employees? Uh, you talked about how you did this outreach, but a lot of them don't trust the government. And I don't know about Fremont, but in general, we found with PPP and other government programs, federal programs, that there was very little buy-in from the immigrant communities and other underrepresented communities because they didn't trust the government and they thought it was going to create additional debt. How do you help break some of these barriers as trusted connectors uh, into the community? Is there something you do to build a trusted network and lay the foundation so that when things like these crises come along, you do have access to these entrepreneurs? Well, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in, in addition to the lack of awareness and capacity issues that the small micro businesses um, face, I still think there's a lot of businesses that are, you know, uh, maybe facing two things that are really seem to be obvious. One is the, the rent issue and then access to markets is the second one, meaning, you know, bringing back customers, finding new customers. They may not be as tech savvy, um, so they're still struggling, right? So Fremont, the gift Fremont was, a, it was an attempt to get customers to come into these businesses. In Fremont, we also gave out grants um, that could be applied towards their rent payment, for example. 
there is also a local startup grind chapter here um, to bring local entrepreneurs together. We featured speakers from different backgrounds to give ideas on how do you talk to a VC, for example, how do you raise funding? What is your you know, uh, mission statement? And, and what you're doing, David, with Startup Space too, kind of raising awareness of resources out there and connecting entrepreneurs, it's all great and it's very much needed. Also on the retail and restaurant side, you know, we've had programs, some of them I've mentioned, but there's still a need for technical assistance. So we're working on, you know, regional initiatives with other Silicon Valley cities to bring that kind of programming. And I would say, you know, like I've, I've mentioned before, focus on bringing people from the community that represent your community, people who want to help, they understand the ethos of, you know, what we're trying to achieve together. Uh, that would be the first step. And then we can create resources programs with the input of those people. So they're not just beneficiaries, but they're partners. Um, they understand their situation best, so work with them. And as we're talking about, you know, breaking down barriers, you know, the converse of that is building partnerships, building bridges, open communication, giving up silos and becoming more collaborative. So I think that's key. Let's talk about uh, COVID-19. And you talked about early on how we can use some of these crises to actually help create the long-term impact. How do you see the recovery from COVID-19 happening in the city of Fremont and what's in store for the long haul? Because it looks like this is going to have a wave number two and a wave number three. What, what are some plans that you're already putting into place to protect your businesses for the long haul? Let's not let this crisis go to waste, right? <laughs> um, exactly. As I mentioned, you know, um, Fremont really is a land of opportunity and it became even more clear um, during the pandemic um, because of our because of the makeup of our business community, as I mentioned earlier, with the advanced manufacturing kind of being this leading sector, you know, uh, these businesses were all deemed essential. They continued operating. In fact, they were growing. So there's a, an example I'd like to share. It's called the Earn and Learn Fremont, or ELF in short. Um, this was a pilot which was spurred by the tremendous need presented by COVID. And you know, small businesses, as we know, come in all shapes and colors. Uh, we have a woman-owned small manufacturing company in Fremont called Evolve Manufacturing. Um, it's, a, it's a medical device company. And they had received FDA clearance to build COVID test kits in 2020. Uh, but they were very much resource constrained when it comes to workforce because you need to have people building these test kits. So they reached out to us as they ramped up their operations looking for help to fill these positions. And then on the other hand, we're all witnessing this outsized impact of the pandemic on certain sectors and populations like women, minorities, low-income individuals, and they are being hugely affected by massive layoffs in retail and hospitality. So, you know, there are plenty of jobs in advanced manufacturing. Evolve, like I said, is, is just one of 900 companies that were that were operating and growing. Um, and there are a whole lot of people who need to be connected to better paying careers that can offer financial stability and upward mobility. So we saw this as an opportunity, a chance to create an equitable and diverse talent pipeline in advanced manufacturing. And so the pilot was born, it had two goals. Uh, the first was of course, to address the immediate talent need of our employer. Um, in this case, it was a small business. And second is to help those who need most help, especially you know, those who may already be facing many barriers to employment and getting laid off. 
So I reached out to some of our partners that I have had historically very good working relationships with to discuss, you know, this approach for the ELF program. Some of the partners were local workforce boards, and they are great conduits to reach out to the target low-income population or underserved population that we were trying to bring in. I reached out to Ohlone College, which is a local community college here, uh, because research shows it can be incredibly difficult to shift to a new career. And a lot of issues you know, around jobs and taking care of families can be compounded for women. So the city of Fremont's Family Resource Center also stepped up, bringing counseling and supportive services to the table. Uh, so the pilot program helped 17 individuals gain invaluable work experience and training and pivoted to a better paying career in advanced manufacturing. These were all low income individuals. Many were women and minorities. And we were excited that, you know, with this pilot, participants will be in a much better position to continue their careers in this field that has less turnover and they pay better. Uh, but we were even more thrilled with the result of the pilot. Uh, when the pilot ended, which was a very short eight week pilot, um, all 17 people were offered full time employment. Most of them stayed with Evolve, Evolve Manufacturing and some are working at another manufacturing company in Fremont. And of course, you know, we reached our goal of helping Evolve Manufacturing by, um, you know, helping them produce millions of COVID test kits when it was needed most. So we're very proud of this pilot. Wow, that's a brilliant story. And uh, th that's exactly an example of how do you uh, make the most of a crisis. Let me uh, ask you one question around lessons learned. So you did not actually answer one of my earlier questions, which was what drove you personally into economic development? Did your family come from there? Uh, was that something, you know, earlier in your career you found? The reason I'm asking is if you could tell us what got you into there and what were some early lessons that you learned uh, working in San Jose and now in Fremont that somebody who's getting into the field of economic development should try and either learn early on in, in their career or something that they should not do early on, early on in their career as a, as a lesson learned? There was uh, nobody in my family that was in economic development. I'll start with that. <laughs> I did not originally think I was going to be doing economic development for a living. I graduated wanting to be a journalist. Wow, uh, that's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm sure you've heard that from many people, right? They yes. don't always end up where they, they thought they would yeah. end up. And it's, it's all very, very good, um, in my opinion. Well, the journalist dreams were, were squashed very quickly. And when I moved to the U.S., my first job was working for a small um, MTC-funded company in Oakland, downtown Oakland. Uh, it was called Rides for Bay Area Commuters. So my job was literally connecting, you know, people would call in and I would be connecting them from point A to point B using public transportation. And through that short stint, I got to work not with the city of Oakland, but with people that worked with the city of Oakland. And it really kind of piqued my interest on how cities think, you know, why would cities be interested in, in reducing car traffic or making, you know, making sure people can ride their bikes more. So it kind of just sparked my curiosity. And I learned that cities do so much. It was fascinating, right? Uh, you, public sector, the, the service aspect of it from A to Z in a city um, was amazing. 
And while I was doing that work, there was an opportunity to work with the city of San Jose. So I took a leap of faith. I joined the city of San Jose and I stayed there for 15 years. <laughs> uh, most of that was in economic development. And this this will tell you something why I you know stayed there for so long. I really enjoy this profession. Like I said, it is public service. You're working in local government, but you're working so closely with the private sector. There's a huge opportunity to bring in the most diverse and innovative ideas that these private sector companies come up with and apply to their own organization. And for us to be able to apply that approach um, in local government is is extremely gratifying. Um, you know, and what best place to do it than right here in Silicon Valley. And through that work, you know, I, uh, I've always lived here in Fremont. It's been my hometown since 20 plus years. Uh, and when the opportunity came to do economic development for my own hometown, you know, the rest is history. I, I love my job. Wow. So in terms of, you know, thinking about economic developers and the ones that are getting into this field, you know, I'm sure there are many paths like the one that, that you took. But one of the things that we stress in our own work is around uh, economic development and small business starts is primarily around now wealth creation. And we try to focus all of our attention on helping people actually use entrepreneurship as a way to break generational poverty, especially in the immigrant community where they might not have the same kind of skills or they might not have the same access to uh, resources coming from another country. So that's one type of a barrier. Is there something that you're doing with your work to help specifically break down the barrier for immigrant entrepreneurs to start businesses in your community? And, you know, for a practitioner listening, how would they go about doing that? You know, when you think about inclusivity, this is really where I think when we're trying to at least make sure that whatever service or support that we are offering, that people have a fair shot of getting it, right? I mentioned that in, in one of our previous um, discussion, David, about just getting to the start line, so, right? So when we're thinking about the barriers that, that some of our entrepreneurs and businesses face, we as local governments, we need to think about how can they have access and be included in these programs. Um, a key step, like I think I mentioned already, it is breaking down those barriers. So even if you're you know, creating new websites that are more accessible and you're reaching out to your community partners, uh, and reducing the documentation, reducing the forms needed. Sometimes we think of this as, okay, well, let's translate everything into as many languages as we can, right? But it's not always just that that's needed. It's working with the right people. Um, and it's sometimes we may not think about them as partners. It could be faith-based organizations. It could be community-based organizations. It could be our community colleges right here. So we're customizing solutions, we're bringing everybody to the table, we're hearing perspectives directly from people that we want to serve, and we're basing this on, on the SWOT, right? We, we know the SWOT term, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of our community, um, again, by listening to people that we want to serve through these programs. And I think, think about them more as partners or clients rather than just beneficiaries, I think is, is a key step in getting where we want to get. That's really helpful. So can you talk a little bit about what you would share with somebody who's entering into the field of economic development that that would be like one big takeaway? 
I would say do not undermine the power of partnerships. Uh, I've been saying that, and I this is probably my most single important message to you. Um, you know, get the right folks at the table. Go meet with people in your community, talk to them, um, have a conversation, and then together with these right partners, you know, you can better define the problem statement, create a shared vision, develop a strategic plan where you know all the partner roles are defined the metrics of successes are collectively and clearly defined right um, people can figure out how and where they fit in and then when everybody knows what the challenges are what the barriers are people can collaborate they can make sure that what we're trying to do is achievable and sustainable and i will you know just end with saying that if we have the right partners together you know if we follow what makes sense fundamentally uh, we know that we're on the right path. What would you tell to people that, and I, and I don't think anybody explicitly states this, but in some cases, it's that fixed pie mindset, right? That we're all competing for the same capital and that if you win an economic dollar, I lose a dollar. What do you tell to them? Because we promote exactly what you just said, which is that you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and that collectively we're bigger than the sum of our parts, that there's enough money for everybody to go around. But from your perspective and from your lens, when you talk about partners, what do you tell to people that, that think about this mainly in terms of investments that they get that, you know, that they would lose if they worked with partners that look better than them? I would say if you're working with the right partners, you're going to produce better results. If you produce better results or products or whatever that may be, you can then attract better things, right? Or in this case, better funding, or in some cases, it could be better partners, more opportunities. So I think limiting yourself by thinking you don't want to share your idea or don't want to bring in other people into the circle <laughs> um, is, you know, in some cases may work, but in most cases, I think working with different people, bringing in different perspectives, different ideas, people who can own the problem, people who can come up with a shared vision together with you will almost always produce better results. So if you think about that from, you know, from the perspective of if you are working in local government or if you're in the public sector, yes, you can create an idea in your own silo, but if you have partners that you're working with who may be doing similar work, to serve the exact same community that you're trying to serve, you know, you can do more together, right? You bring in more um, resources when you work together. Your ideas get better because there's there are other people who bring their own way of thinking, their own way of serving these communities. And just it's, it's, it's a better and it's a whole picture that you have perspective on. So uh, the last question for you, if people enjoyed this podcast and want to connect with you and learn more about the work that Fremont is doing. They want to partner with you on some of the ideas that you have. How do they reach you and find you? Well, if you want to learn more about Fremont Economic Development, our business website is thinksiliconvalley.com. Uh, personally, you can connect with me. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. So if you want, uh, if you're feeling social, I'm, I'm on these social channels and you can email me as well at tkapoor at fremont.gov. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And I am so thrilled to have brought you on the show just for all of the, the awesome ideas we learned from you today. So thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you, David. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast for entrepreneurship community practitioners hosted by David Polnraj. Special thanks to Tina Kapoor for joining us. Show notes by creative director Jackie Dietrich. Edited and produced by Lauren Bernard. If you'd like to suggest interviewees, new topics, or just want to reach out, please email us at podcast at startupspace.app. All Breaking Down Barriers episodes are available on our website or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe for all the latest updates.